0: Lord, I know we've come many times here this morning to just say knock on heaven's door. Lord, as we work through even the scripture this morning, I pray that you would stretch our imagination, cause us to think outside. The box of our own lives and what you can do with a life that's surrendered to you. Help us, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen. Mark chapter ten, verses 46 through 52, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, if you have your tablet or Bible or whatever, or it be up on the screen. Then they came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I want to see. Go," said Jesus. "Your faith has healed you." Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Jesus elevates in our series. Somebody, one of the things we want to continue to point out that Jesus elevates. Jesus elevates those who are discarded. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus elevated. Children. He he took people that other people had kind of pushed aside, and Jesus elevates them to a position. And this story, we're going to focus on one, but I want to kind of give you a backdrop here a little bit. Is I believe as human beings, we are designed to live with hope. You know, when I was twenty-four, most of you have heard my, many of you have heard my testimony. To you know at twenty-four years old, I was on the point of, of verge of taking my own life. So I know what it's like to live without hope. I know what it's like to get up in the morning and don't know why you're getting up or even if you want to get up. There's just really not a good reason. But There was good news coming. I think about it what I would have missed the last 30 years if I would have stayed there and followed through on what I was considering very heavily I've watched people live without hope and despair and in the heaviness and the weight of it without hope makes us make bad decisions like I said for me without hope I had never done drugs till I got to the point of despair I had I, I did things I never thought I would have ever done. I was part of, an, of having an abortion at 24 years old. I was part of things I never would have imagined this boy from Wicks, Arkansas would ever have been a part of, but I ended up being a part of it, but it didn't happen overnight. It was choices. One choice at a time took me a little further to another choice, and another choice, and before I know it, it's taken me to be a place I never would have imagined I could have ever, ever been, on the verge of taking my own life. There was good news. Then I started making different choices after I came to know Jesus. And then those began to build on each other. So there's a lot of things to do with choices here this morning. But what I want, to, I want you to hear, that we, we are not designed to live without hope. And it's already been prayed this morning. You may have come in here today with that weight. But let me say this. Some of you may have come in here today, not that you're in despair, you don't feel a burden, but you've quit dreaming. You've been at this long enough, you just kind of go, this is acceptable. And Jesus looks at your life and goes, no, I didn't die for that. I didn't die for that, I didn't die for acceptable. I died that you may have life and have it abundantly. I didn't die for you to just say it's Acceptable. I can get to this point, and it's just acceptable. When there is no hope in the future, there is no power in the present. And where there is no hope, there is no dreams. When there is no realization that you serve a God who has, He has, He wants to offer you more than you could think or imagine. Ephesians 3. Jesus came to elevate those who, when you would look at society and say, you should have no hope, and Jesus elevates you. He knows where you are. He sees you. Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho. And please, I want you to think about this one a little bit. And listen to it. Listen to the things that are going on here this time, if you would. They're coming to Jericho. There's crowds. There's Jesus. Just use your imagination. I shared with you a few weeks ago, with children, they say, as far as creativity and imagination, when it, most children, when they're five years old, are considered geniuses. By the time they're 25 years old, almost nobody is. <laughs> Because we lose, in some ways, our imagination and our ability to think outside the box. To think, I'm just going to ask you this morning, use your imagination. Just use it. listen to this story, okay? Just, just think about it. As Jesus and his disciples, again, are coming to Jericho, together with a large crowd, we're leaving the city. A blind man. See him? See? see him sitting there? See him sitting there with his cloak? This probably either underneath him to his side, maybe all the possessions he has in the world, and the reason he has that cloak there is what? To catch alms. So he's begging for money. He's begging and he's waiting, and you see him there. He's sitting by this roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man. Don't you like this? Cheer up! (laughs) Like Drew Carrier, Bob Barker. (laughs) Come on down, you have been... On your feet. He's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the way. A lot of players in this story, right? Jesus, the Messiah, here he's coming, walking down through there pretty significant player in this story wouldn't you say then you've got the disciples now the disciples are cruising along here's the little backdrop on the disciples they had just argued about who was going to be the greatest okay that conversation had just happened Jesus had to kind of put them in their spot okay so that had just happened so you're thinking about them what are they thinking Okay, they're still trying to go, man, we just got taken out to the woodshed. We got, I mean, are, are you really even thinking about what's going on around you? Because you've just been, you just been, they'll come to Jesus' meeting. You know, you've got to talk about it. Well, they had one. Okay, that's what just happened there. Then There's the crowd. The crowd is so swarming, man, they're just trying to touch, or they're just and we know that people could touch Jesus and be healed, because we know that in scripture, don't we? So they're trying the crowd's just pushing in and they're and they, they don't even see what's going on around them. They're just focused on Jesus, which is a good thing. But they're just clamoring. And then there's a blind beggar. Unnoticed in some ways. I'm going to read this a third time. And I know this is unusual if you're here for the first time. I usually don't do it this way, but I'm just going to ask you to use your imagination again. But this time, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I know some of you, you know, I've done the invitation at the end of the service. Everyone closed their eyes, and most of you, half of you, don't. Please just work with me, okay? (laughs) Just work with me. (laughs) Close them tight. Now I want you to imagine as I read this again that you are Bartimaeus. Eyes closed. You're sitting there cross-legged, almost in a lotus position, whatever you want to call it, cross-legged. Your cloak is there around you. You feel the dust because everywhere you went, you can smell the dung because it's everything kind of running into the street. You probably smell like it yourself. Maybe you don't even smell it at all because you pretty well smell like whatever it is because you probably haven't taken any type of bath. The dust is just coming by and you can hear the crowd coming. And then you realize... It's Jesus. You've heard about Jesus because you listen. Because you're sitting there because nobody's talking to you. You you hear a lot. It's amazing what you can learn when you listen instead of talk. So he's heard about Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. You're Bartimaeus. You've heard about Jesus because the word's on the street. And here comes the crowd, and you sense that the crowd is in the behind. Is that the best you can? Do? Because you can't see. You sense the crowd is coming, but you sense Jesus is on the front side of this. The disciples kind of keeping as a as you just you don't really know what it looks like because you. Maybe you've never seen before, it doesn't say, but you've probably never seen before. And then all of a sudden you realize it's time. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden the crowd starts yelling at you. Man, shut up. This is Jesus. Quit bothering him. This is the this is the Messiah. He is not gonna pay attention to you. Why are you yelling? And all of a sudden you go, Son of David! Have mercy on me. Everybody quits moving. And you hear two words. And you know that voice for whatever reason, because you could tell he was the leader. Call him. And just before that, there was this crowd yelling, you, you just shut up? And all of a sudden, they're saying, man, man, cheer up. And you can tell they're talking right at you. And all of a sudden, a couple of people grab your arms and help you up. And you still can't see. You don't even know where you're going. They help you to your feet, and they move you towards or Jesus moves towards you. And all of a sudden, Jesus, you feel these hands on your face. And this question comes, what can I do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What's crazy is you're asking a question that you don't even potentially you've never seen before. You just want to see. You you don't even really know what you're stepping off into. You don't even know when if if, if He was to heal you, what you're about to see. But you ask the question because it's your deepest longing. I want to see. Jesus says, Go. Your faith has healed you. Immediately you open your eyes, open your eyes. And there is this magnificent something you had never seen before. I tell people when I came to know Christ, like I'd been watching TV in black and white all my life and all of a sudden there was color and then when I began to allow him to fill my life it, be, it all of a sudden became 4K or whatever all of a sudden things become more defined you begin to see different, you begin to impress I was once blind but now I see. Cheer up, sweetheart. Cheer up, Bubba. He's calling you. But you got to get up. What's your deepest longing? What's your greatest dream or aspiration? And Let me do a disclaimer here real quick. There are certain dreams and aspirations. I tell the staff this all the time. I said, I can dream more dreams than I can, we could ever do in one lifetime. So there's a lot of dreams that never even need to come to the surface. They just don't even need to come up, right? Because they're just not, and not because they're immoral, just because they're too, they just don't need to be talked about. But especially dreams that are self-centered. I think there's sometimes we try to get God in on dreams, and he goes, you are kidding, Right? <laughs> yeah I'm not doing that <laughs> yeah that's a little that's a little greedy that's a little self-focused and the dream mostly is just about you and I have a feeling God doesn't get in and when they're just only about you now you being transformed about you that's right but to do good for others to love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength, and love your neighbors yourself So not all dreams or aspirations you might come up with, God's going to get in on because he's going, no, not on your life. I've had a lot of dreams in my life, just like you have them. and You have them as kids. I wanted to be. My biggest dream was was to play for the Arkansas Razorbacks and make the last second shot every game. Hope the game was close enough so I could do it every game because I practiced it thousands of times times in my backyard. Then I wanted to be a basketball coach. That's what, I, that's what my desire was. I didn't want to be a teacher. I didn't even want to have to get a college education to do this, but they seemed to require it. And, and, since, and since I never got a college education, I didn't become that. But anyway, but that was my desire. I wanted to coach people. I wanted to help people. Then my desire was I just want to make it. And when I was 24 years old, my dream was I just want to make it to tomorrow. I just wish this would go away. That was my only dream. I just wish this, this thing that's eating me alive, I wish this would go away. Anybody ever been there? There's no aspirations in the future. It's just what's going on inside of me. I just wish it was gone. That's my only dream. I became a father. I became a husband. Then I became a father. Put that in order there. It always happened that way, but it did in my life. Then I came to became a Christian. All of a sudden, my dreams begin to change, and how I live my life and the reason why I live my life begin to change. And some of you. Today, just dream about having a job. I've been reading a book called "Be So Good They Can't Ignore You," and it's it's not a Christian book, so you do what you, with it what you will. But it's got some great insight. But a job is a way to pay bills. A career. It's work that uh, is it's a path forward and increasingly better work. In other words, I'm going I'm to start learning this so I can be better at my job. But then there's a calling. And that calling becomes part of who you are and your identity. And your dreams and what God is stirring in you, especially as a Christian, begin to Everything has to kind of filter through what God's trying to do inside of that, whether wherever you work. Because I believe some people who have a job, it can become a calling if God's filtering it right. If you stay in the same place. Stay in the same place. But what's interesting about this story to me, one, one of the most interesting parts is this. Is it why did Jesus have to ask a blind man what he wanted? Isn't it obvious? I believe part of the reason is, is that Jesus wanted him to know why and what he wanted. And Jesus wanted him to be specific. How many of us live life in generalities? We I mean, live life, just kind of trying to, just kind of going like this, instead of asking God specifically in prayer. And when He begins to burst something in us, God, show me. Ask for specifics. So, what do you want to do? What do you want me to do for you? His deepest longing was, I want to see. What's your deepest longing right now? Have you been before the Lord? Put it in front of Him. What is He, what is he touching? As a, if you've got a family, if you're married, if, if, if you're raising children, what's your deepest longing for your marriage? Or have you said it's acceptable? What's your deepest longing as a parent? If you are a parent today, or a grandparent. This is acceptable? Or is there a deep longing that only God can help you live into? Is there a dream, or have you stopped dreaming? See, I believe Renovation Church, and you 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 take this for what it's worth. I believe Renovation Church, one of the things it has a great opportunity to do in this community and and, and maybe elsewhere is to help people live into what they always knew they could be, but they didn't know how to get there. What's your job description? I would love for it to be that. Helping people become everything they always knew they could be. Well, I believe the the thread that runs through that is Jesus Oh, people have longings, you know that. But some of them, they just pushed them down because they don't think they're ever going to be able to do it. But I believe through Christ, there's a shot. Oh, you don't know all the mistakes I've made. Kurt, you're right, and you don't know all the ones I have. But I can say this, God can use the worst the enemy can throw at you through your worst situation and use it for his glory. If you allow him to do it. What would you say if you were Bartimaeus and Jesus grabbed your face and just said, What do you want me to do for you? Is it possible? One of the greatest challenges for individuals and churches. That you are not living the life of your dreams because God has asked you what you want and you've asked for too little? Is it possible? Have you been willing to settle for much less than your deepest longings and greatest potential? Is it possible? See, I believe this. When you begin to ask God, I believe one reason people don't know, because it's hard work. It takes great faith. Is it possible that God is begin to show you stuff and you go, no, I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. Oh, I still have this dream, but but I want you to... And the reason I use this ladder, most of you know, this has uh, been my illustration for years here. And I, but, but again, the ladder illustration is, is that when everybody, the Billy Graham thought it, everybody comes to the cross on level ground. Everybody does. But then God begins to stretch us And take us to a next rung of faith. He stretches us, and 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 again, I won't wear you out with that illustration. Maybe someday I will, but not today, time-wise. But here's the deal. Some of you may have a dream that you've been wanting for years, but you're refusing to leave this rung. You're not willing to go through the fire to get to there. You're just not willing. You're not willing to have the faith to go there. Now, some of you are going to walk out of here today going, well, I'm still more condemned than help. I'm trying to encourage you today to whatever God is pushing you and showing you, follow Him by faith. I don't know, have any other way to say it except somewhere along the way, you're going to have to trust Him. I believe this, and I think it may be Maness that talks about this, calls first dimension faith and second dimension faith. And I love the song we sang earlier today. Moses got to stand on the sidelines and watch the Red Sea part by faith. Joshua had to put his foot in the water before the water parted. Those are two different steps of faith. And when Jesus asked Peter, we preached on last week, when, Peter said to, when Jesus said to Peter on the Sea of Galilee the first time, follow me, it's a different one than it was three and a half years later when he said, follow me. The faith that took the first time and the faith that took the three and a half years later are different places, right? right, right. One call, follow me. Right. One call, follow me. But man, does it come in different dimensions. Right. So for some of you today... Quit, and again, I'm trying to say this in a way where it's got a positive spin on it, okay? I I don't know, I'm not trying to be the spin room. I just want you to know, some of you have decided I'm not moving. I don't care, God. I don't care. I don't care if you're telling me to go to reconcile with that person. I don't care. Oh, yeah, but I still dream dreams that are up here. Oh, oh, but you gotta go wreck it. No, 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 I ain't doing that. I'm not doing that. And you you can dress up being stuck for thirty or forty years. <laughs> Churches do it. I truly believe when you begin to ask God what he's wanting to do in your life, the longings start to follow. I believe what he does, he begins to expand the parameters of your concerns. He begins to let you see things you didn't see before. So you'll be open to things you never thought you'd be open to before. I think Jesus spent most of his time with his disciples trying to get them to think about what they should care about. You're caring about the wrong things. You're caring about food in town, and this woman just walked by you to the well. You were on a mission trip, and you missed the mission. Brother Paul used to say, Senior said, we push Jesus out of the way every day to find him. (laughs) And what he was saying was, he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. Oh, he's everywhere. He's doing, if you want to see Jesus, quit pushing him out of the way. (laughs) He's wanting to show you, expand your concerns. Open yourself up. But when you do it, be willing to be stretched. And I just want you to know today, I, as your pastor, need to listen to this as much as any of you in here. John Maxwell calls it the law of the lid. hate that law because he says the law of the lid is when the leader quits growing there's a chance the church quits growing when our leadership quits growing and says that's good enough then there's a great chance that people that are following hey parents law of the lid when you quit growing you very well may cap your family Cap your marriage. Cap your parenting. Cap your parenting. I don't like that law. And the other law I don't like, I don't think it's a law, but it's a thought. Once the dream is in your heart, it's in your hands. Once God has stirred it in you and shown you and you know, now what's keeping you from moving forward? If Jesus were in front of you and asked you, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? What's your greatest burden right now? Would you be willing to sacrifice to see that burden lifted? Whether it's in culture, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your finances. What is it? You want to be more generous. You want to be, well, what would you be willing to do? God has birthed in you to become a person of generosity. I'm just saying it's not because I'm just, I'm just saying if he has, then what are you willing to do to, to put yourself in a position to be a person? Are you willing to simplify your whole life? Down to bare bones? I don't mean poverty. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying everybody's supposed to do it. What I'm saying is, what are you, if God stirred something and he's asked you, what are you willing to do to sacrifice to get there as he leads you? I'm convinced of this. There's never a point, there may be a dropping off point on this ladder where we go to heaven, okay? But I am convinced there's never a point where God's not going to continue to stretch us. Right. I think that's the greatest thing of what I believe about, especially the church of the Nazarene and, and being filled with the Spirit and sanctification, is this a transformation that continues till we see Jesus face to face. There's never a point where we stop and say, this is acceptable, because if my goal in this sense is to be like Jesus, anybody know me? No, know I'm a long ways from there. So I got a lot of room to work on, right? So there's never a point where I get to go, this is acceptable. There's just never a point. So I have to continue to ask, Lord, what are you doing in my life? What are you showing me? Have I capped the people that I'm needing to influence? There's some people counting on you to live into your potential. There's some people maybe even waiting to get free and they don't even know it until you get free. Reality check for us is this. If we can't answer the question that Jesus would ask, what do you want me to do for you? We may be as spiritually blind as Bartimaeus is in this story. What is your deepest longing? Because there's no question we serve a God who can give us immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. I want to watch a video here of a guy named Dylan Robinson. He's a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. I'll come back and close.
1: My name is Dylan Robinson. I uh, mean, I grew up really rough as a kid, uh, not, uh, you know type of fighting where mom and dad are you know, basically arguing and uh, kind of make up at the end of the night. It was fighting like uh, physical abuse, drug abuse, you name it, and I was exposed to it. And so I thought that was pretty normal, pretty customary, but um, as I got a little bit older, uh, towards fifth grade, I realized that my life was a little bit different. So by the time I was 16, um, I was in a very uh, dark place, Man, I was just so frustrated, and you know, drugs are taking over my life. Uh, I got an assault charge when I was 16, and uh, however, there was uh, about two friends uh, that weren't coming to my Parties anymore, and I was throwing parties every weekend. And I remember remember asking them, "I'm like, man, you know, where have you guys been?" And and they said, "John and Selena." And I didn't know what that meant. And and they said, "You need to come and talk to John and Selena." I remember at that point, I pointed out and I said, "Man, that uh, that God stuff, that Jesus stuff, isn't for me. All I had been exposed to was abuse, and uh, never knew there was a God who loved me. Didn't know that I had a purpose." I was sitting at a basketball game one night, and I asked my friend if I could go and uh, stay the night with him because I was still going from house to house. And all of a sudden, looked at him. I said, man, I said, I'm never going to do anything that anybody wants me to do. You know, I had so much pride, but I said, I need something different. And I said, if this God thing is it, I need it. I wake up the next day, first time sober in three months. Uh, and Man, I had a joy to my heart. Uh, by the end of that next day, um, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ at a, a 30-hour famine, which wasn't even a big outreach event. I was just sitting there, and um, some of the roughest people uh, in that town were there at the altar, and they're bawling. And and Pastor Selena had us pray for a uh, family. And at that moment, God began to bring back memories as a kid and me covering my ears and crying myself to sleep, wondering why you know this was happening to me. Wondering why all this you know these bad things were coming. Why the cops were involved, and and all these things were happening. And, and he said, Dylan, I loved you. And I got off that altar that day and I knew that I was a changed person. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And I remember telling John one night, which was Pastor Selena's husband, he, you know, he's feeling sorry for me because my dad and mom were still in and out of jail. And uh, all my friends were uh, back to doing their own thing. He said, D, he said, do you want to go back, man, to your old life? And, and I just looked at him and said, Johnny, I said, Jesus is all I got, man. I said, there's no going back. And so, uh, long story short, uh, by the grace of God, I finished high school, which was a miracle in itself. Ended up going to college and then uh, became a youth pastor in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and had a youth group over 150 students, and it was an amazing, uh, man, time. But then God spoke to me one day. He says, Dylan, you're going back home. You're going to Springfield, Missouri. So I remember calling Pastor Selena. And who was actually my my godmom because her and uh, John took me in when I was 16 years old. They became my uh, God family. And the first family uh, I ever had where no drugs, no abuse were there. And so I called her. I said, I think God's calling me home. As God began to break my heart, he also broke uh, Pastor Selena's heart and and realized that we were actually called to uh, plant a church together. And so uh, on February 21st of 2016, which is actually my... uh, salvation sober date um, and we, we launched the well in the Springfield very um, and uh, it's crazy because I lived in so many various places in the north side of Springfield a very um, poverty stricken uh, community and there we were we launched the church and uh, people were, you know said there's no way that this is going to succeed and they're right we couldn't have done it on our own however God blessed that and by the end of that year uh, we ended up moving to downtown Springfield, uh, Missouri, where now we have one of our uh, locations, uh, our campuses for the well, and I actually used to party pretty hard at the top of this garage here in downtown Springfield. Now we're underneath telling people about Jesus Christ, and you know, so we just launched our second campus uh, here today um, as well, and uh, man, God has done immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, and, and from all this, you know, I now am married to a beautiful wife, uh, Maddie, and something that I just never knew I could have. I, I saw all that God did through John and Selena and their family, but um, though God changed my life, I didn't know that he could use me to, to preach his word. Um, I had a broken speech before. I wasn't smart. Uh, I just felt like I was just the kid who got uh, sober and gave his heart to Jesus. But, man, God has used me in the ministry in ways that I never even knew he could. And now we know that God just uh, will continue to open doors, and we're going to trust his guidance going forward.
0: close just around the altars this morning i never imagined this as dylan says never imagined god could use me personally to have gone around the world and do the things that we've jan and i've been able to do for these last 27 years in ministry but i want to believe the best days are ahead Yeah, we've done a lot of dreaming and we've created dreams and we've created some dreams that needed to die. (laughs) We've done a lot of things. But he's not done. Here's my saying. If you're not dead, he's not done, okay? (laughs) He is still working. As the old children's song, he is still working on me to make me What I should be. (laughs) Maybe just maybe today, if you've stopped dreaming, if your dream is trying to just get to retirement, if your dream is just trying to get through the day, those are those are good things to be disciplined and putting money away. And do, do I'm not knocking any of that. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But if that's all it is. Oh, man, he has greater dreams than that. I love, it. I love the message version of Ephesians 3, 2021. 20, God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing you around, but by working within us. His Spirit deeply and gently within us. You may want to start this week around these altars just going, Lord, I just needn't even know how to pray about this. But your assignment this week is to be asking the Lord, Lord, what is my deepest longing that reflects you? Not, not that reflects me and what I want, but what is it that reflects you? And Lord, don't let me be the lid to the people i work with don't let me be the lid to my family don't let me be the lid at renovation church don't let me be the lid some of you may have to do some really really hard things this week maybe even just actions to move off that wrong i don't know but i ask you to pray that but we're going to give you an opportunity to come to these altars and start the week out that way if you would stand with us so, sign them. We're going to lead us. And if something has spoke to you this morning, and you want to, we, we still, like I said, in the church of that, we still use these altars. We just believe they're a great place, and I know they're outdated some places, but man, they're a great place to come and just lay it down. Lord, help us right now in our imagination not a wild imagination, but the imagination you've given us to listen to what you're saying about our deepest longings that ultimately will lead people to you and fulfill our lives in a way we never imagined. We pray this in your name, Jesus.
1: sing some more of this another in the fire song because as God calls us as he challenges us as he leads us he reminds us that it's not something that we're left to do on our own amen and with that which seems impossible and very well should be impossible without God he makes it possible as we lean into him amen there's a grace partisan part is under fire Another way when the walls are closing in And when I look at the space between where I used to be and his reckoning I know I will never be alone There was another in the fire standing next to me There was another in the waters holding Back the seas, and should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me.
0: You know, for some of you, maybe like where I've been over the last few months, as I've been praying about renovation church and what God's call is on us here on this campus my prayer has had to start this way surrender as I drive off this campus as I've shared with you before in the last few weeks Lord this is yours this is yours if I'm in the way remove me just don't kill me that's what I'm asking but this is your church it's never been ours this is yours I don't surrender my responsibility but I surrender the results your will be done for some of you you just may have to come and surrender you don't even know where else to start but just that is the place to start is surrender this week as a staff we'll be gone for a retreat first time we've done it in seven years and that's my prayer over our staff, that Lord, that we surrender everything, but we're willing to do our part. As we sing one more verse, maybe today's surrender is, is where you may need to start. As we sing one more verse.